Hey there, it's Microsoft Sam. Welcome to another episode of the cast with myself and Microsoft Pastor Mike. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the people expressing them and may not represent the views of our church. With that said, enjoy. Well, Mike, this is episode 40 of the cast, and uh, I just want to commend us a little, little bit. I know we kind of often um, do some self-congratulatory um, stuff off the top of these milestone episodes, mm-hmm. but I just want to let everyone know some statistics here. So this is an article I have pulled up from August 23rd, 2018. It's called, How Many of the 540,000 Podcasts Have Pod Faded? <laughs> And I think the number of podcasts has actually gone up to something like 750,000 um, since this article was released. There you go. It says here in this article that industry veterans report that many podcasts pod fade after, by their seventh episode, meaning that they cease production. So, I mean, we have vastly exceeded at this point um, seven episodes. We, we've not pod faded. And um, I just wanted to, you know, congratulate you and myself a little bit for that. <laughs> our, our little podcast. Actually, is, it was uh, funny. We've released. Is, what's that? Go ahead. Is uh, There's this one, like, sketch comedy show that Emily every so often dives into. And yeah. uh, they did a whole thing about podcasting. And so she, like, was killing herself laughing at us for this. Because it was, like, the sketch was that this person goes into, like, a grocery store. And they're talking about this podcast and have you heard this latest podcast and blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, yeah, I have, I'm starting a podcast and I have a podcast. And then they go to the cashier and the cashier's like recording a podcast while she's checking them out. And the security guard is having uh. his own podcast. And it's just like, and then she looked at me and he's like, that's you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> but um, we made 40. That's so, so funny. That's pretty cool. We made 40 episodes. That's right. Most people don't even make three or seven or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know, you know, I don't have the re- most recent listening statistics, but people have told me that they heard last week's episode or whatever. So um, we're going to keep making them. Anyway, that out of the way, I had a question for you, Mike, um, because the Bible doesn't really say a lot about dating, but there's a lot of dating people at our church right now. So they also might be curious to know this. Um, is it possible to lust after the person you're dating because you're not married to them? So, say for example, I go to pick up. I feel like the my answer is for, yes. Like just okay, automatically. Period. Done. <laughs> it, okay. So yeah, it, it is possible, but let me. It's not what you think. So I go to pick up my girlfriend for a date, and she just looks like absolutely stunning, and I like that. Obviously, causes some kind of reaction in me. Is that lusting? Like, am I am I crossing lines by being like wildly attracted to this person I'm not married to, but I'm in a relationship with at that moment? 
Or is my definition of like lust like all wrong? Hmm. Well, Samuel, knowing that you are in a relationship, this gets real personal. Now I won't make it, but, but no. this is all hypothetical. All let's hypothetical. Not, let's not, um, yeah. Shameless plug as well. We're starting a relationship series in November. So sweet. By the time you hear this, we will probably be launching it the following week. I have no idea what it's called yet. I don't know if we've even figured that out yet, but let's just call it cultivate again. Is it cool? I don't um, know. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe it is. We'll see when we get there. Um, and it's going to be about, you know, basically what I'm trying to do is kind of like a pre-marriage coaching class for the whole church on Sunday mornings. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to be kind of gonna be low key, laid back, kind of, sort of fluid notes, see where the morning takes us for six weeks. So it's going to be good. I have a good plan for that. Anyways, about this lust question, pre-marriage, um, maybe we should do like question and answer during that series too. That just came out. I think you should. That'd yeah. be cool. Anyways, um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um God is not unaware of the fact that certain people, generally speaking, have a, um, shall we say, higher quotient of attractiveness, <laughs> right? That, 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 that some people um, would be considered like just universally beautiful and others more in the eye of the beholder, and that's fine, Right. Um, and that, and that, the appreciation of beauty in the human form, the feminine form, especially because that's sort of what you know you're talking about, I think is a, you know, an aspect of recognizing a good thing, right? Like we 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 assume beauty is good, right? And I think that's and I think it's right to to do that, um, and and so the issue with lust, um is ultimately, I believe in the way of Jesus, especially, right, from the Sermon on the Mount, right, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, I say don't even look lust at a woman, right? Yeah. Because you've already committed adultery in your heart, is the covetous objectification of another human being, right? Because in, in, in the story of, not the story, the Sermon on the Mount, right, Jesus starts with anger, and contempt and how we can like degrade humanity and not love them properly. And then, you know, reconciliation. And then we get into this idea of lust. And, and if you follow the, the th- thread of Jesus' thoughts, right, it's all about um, essentially how God sees humans and how we should treat other imago day bearers of God and not try to murder, but not just murder, not hate them, not, not be angry with them, not let our wounded egos just wound other people. And, um, and then not let our selfish lust or our covetous desire overtake the honor of a human being um, to be treated with objective value versus um, subjective yeah. pleasure. And so I think there is a layer of lust as that, that this human being becomes the object of my just sexual desire. And at that point, when we say objectified, is an object in my mind. Is not a human being. She's nothing more than the physical body she is. Um, right. I'm not considering her brain. I'm not considering her creativity. I'm not considering her um, emotions. I'm not considering her potential. I'm not considering her gifting. I'm just considering her body. 
Um, and so that is the nature, the very destructive nature of lust. That's why pornography is is what it is because it's it's the entertainmentizing of that, mm-hmm. right? Of that just degradation of the human being, um, even if the willing participants are willing, right? Like like just because someone desires to be part of sin doesn't mean it's less sinful. It's just they chose to enter into it, um, and and ironically should never be empowering to women to be objectified by men. Like, I don't even understand how that argument is, is made. Um, and so the fine line between appreciation of that which is beautiful and lustfulness, right, is completely, to be honest, a, a, a mute question because the answer is, wherever you find it right because like it's gonna be different for different people um in the sense of can you appreciate the dignity of that total person or is she just removed from all that she is um could you technically not do this with someone you are married to then oh yeah 100 percent. okay yeah that's, that's the thing is 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 when like, so it's the same it's the same sin at that point well because jesus said don't commit adultery Right. Yeah. But don't lust because you've already committed adultery in your heart. So you've already broken the marriage covenant. So that so that is both single and, and married. Like you can completely use your spouse in sexual pleasure. Like that's yes, hundred percent agreed. I do think there is a level of erotic passion for your spouse that we see in like um, mm-hmm. in the Song of Songs that is that its aim and its goal is unity and and is enjoyment of the other. Right in the context of this covenant, that can be very pure. Mm. Um, and in 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 that sense, you know, could you argue that you you'd have to argue that essentially, in every sexual encounter between married husband and wife, that there might be an element of that lust in there because are our hearts fully pure? Well, probably not. Um, and, and the idealization of sex, and we'll get into this in that series, in fact, right, of, like, just unity and pleasure and togetherness and covenant and then procreation, potentially. Like, those are our, our big ideas around it, are never purely there. Like, let's just be real, right? Sometimes I'm selfish in my sexual desire, even for my spouse. And so, um, so yes, lust is not – lust – here's the thing. Purity – Right to, to flip it, right? Purity is not just a pre-marriage issue. It just changes in marriage, right? So, so purity before marriage is the abstaining from sexual endeavors. Um, purity in marriage, right, is remaining completely faithful um, in my sexual endeavors. And so purity never changes. It's just expression might, right? And so in that sense, yeah, like you can completely just lust after your spouse. If, if, if you enjoy the way your spouse looks purely on that, you know, wow, you look awesome. I want to take you right now. Arguably, right? That's not a holy attraction. That's such a selfish one. Hey, you are so yes. pleasing to me. I want to feel this because of that. And, yeah. and so again, where's the line? Like that's the wrong question, right? The wrong question is, do you honor humans? Do, do you love the Imago Dei in that person? 
and, right. and as a part of that, this appreciation of beauty. And I hope it is. Like I hope that you find yeah. your spouse attractive, your dating person attractive. I do think, you know, you're right. The Bible does not talk about dating a lot, if not I, ever. See, like I'm increasingly of the belief, and this I'm not now. I'm not Josh Harris here either. <laughs> but, Who has left the faith? Just putting it out there. So you know, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely not in that sense. But so I, I'm not going to advocate for like kissing, dating goodbye, and the the courtship thing. I also don't think that like the Jesus would if if you were to ask him what he thinks about dating, he'd say like it's not a great idea. Like the your it's it's how our society deals with relationships now. By and large, you can't really avoid it, but it's also like probably not the most helpful thing for yeah. trying to curb your sinful nature. Oh, no kidding. Didn't um Augustine believe that all sex was sinful? A lot of the early, especially um, even continuing Catholic thinkers, basically thought that the only legitimate version of sex was to make babies and everything else was bad. But then that started falling apart once you get into it. Because he also came out of a different um, religion into the faith. And so that affected him a lot in, in, in that way. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah, dating as a concept is such a poorly practiced thing that like, well, you've heard me teach on dating before. And, and so this is probably going to be sound familiar to you, but I'll probably bring it up in the series coming up is that dating unwisely for most people is simply just practicing divorce. And that's what I hate about it. Right. To be honest. Right. And, and if you think so about it, are you talking it, about like the kind of person that like dates, has many partners that they date. Yeah, the practice of modern dating Pretty is right. Much. I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna date you, and we're gonna get deep. Like even like people joke about like you know after three dates, you know now we got to start pushing some boundaries and figure each other out. And if you don't you know test the car before you buy it, like what are you doing? Kind of crap that we put out there today, right? And what happens is we even in the Christian context where maybe there's not like the full on sexual you know um, sin happening, but you know. Where's the line? What can I touch and what can't I touch? Kind of, kind, of, kind of thing going on. All we've done is put into our our worldview and our understanding of relationships this inherent cycle of infatuation, um, depth and vulnerability, um, uncovenanted vulnerability. Number one, um, some kind of breakup issue. So now I have to divorce myself from that intimacy that I've created, right? And then re-engage again and then do it over and over and over. And, and yeah. so I do think that there is a danger to um, the potential cycle of dating that, that we often want people to be into. I don't think, like I'm not like thinking that, you know, the best solution for relationships is going to be, yeah, arranged marriages and courtship. But statistics say that arranged marriages tend to, you know, last just as good as romantic ones. Well, that's, that's what I'm thinking because, I mean, even I think back to, like, our conversation with Cassie, and I've just heard this from so many other people that ended up getting married, is that they they knew kind of quite early on in the relationship that they felt like this was a person I'm going to marry or could marry. Like, they had that comfort mm -hmm. with that other person. Well, yeah, and here's the thing is we... And this gets into a bigger conversation on history and how we've romanticized love and relationships. 
is that we have this weird idea that and it's and it flies kind of in the in, in the in the arena of the soulmate, right? That there's this person that's meant for me, that's going to fulfill me. That that and the only way to have true love is to you know discover it on my own and blah 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 blah. Well, like sometimes, right? But romance, um, and 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 it, and this is where okay, and this gets back to the idea of lust too, right? Because if I if I can't, how do I say this right? Um, if a human being, in all the complexity that they are, is not fascinating to me in some way, simply because I don't, I find certain things about them unappealing, that probably says more about me and my like selfishness than about them. Now, yes. If someone comes to me and says, Mike, I'm interested in this girl, but I think she's ugly and I don't think she has a good personality. <laughs> I'm like, it's probably not going to work because there are some like, like you, you do have to like have a kind of affection for the person. But, yeah. right. But, but imagine like an arranged marriage, right. Where it's like you show up that day. And that's what a lot of the biblical marriages were, by the way. Like even Adam and Eve technically was an arranged marriage. God kind of just made her and said, hey, here, 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 here's the girl. Right. Is... Is that that's kind of what you do, and you begin to see that human beings have to be deeper in our affection than that, right? That that that, that the highest form of intimacy isn't necessarily erotic, right? Yeah. Isn't necessarily in that space. It's the friendship that's meant to be there, and what that should be able to, at some level, uh, you know, be birthed out of the the the, the love as work idea, right? That yeah, marriage, yeah. you know, includes a love that is essentially. Um, both choosing to love this person in spite of them, because even if you find them to be the hottest person in the world, they're still going to annoy you. Yeah. They're still going to do sinful things. And that with the, the combination of attraction, right? That I do find them in, in, infatuating that, that, that God has designed us to be kind of des- desiring of this singular other human being in a very specific way. Um, and that those two things are great. And so I think the issue is the hyper romanticized version gets you into so much problem. And obviously the hyper kind of duty bound gets you into a lot more problems. And you, then you culturally, you have issues of like child brides and blah, 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 that comes from a very abusive system that can, that can f- come from that. Um, yes. and so for us as Christians, I think when we see this redeemed opportunity what we say is like yeah we don't want to fall into some kind of like you know vortex of you know god's soulmate for you which whenever you say i do you've said here's my soulmate now right right or the opposite of just some kind of like fatalistic you know you're doomed to marriage kind of thing like it's 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 meant to be this beautiful um, opportunity for human beings to grow and learn and and make babies as part of the thing, right? It's, it's part. It's part of it, right? It's how it's what we believe yeah. about uh, marriage, and so like I think I I think we just got to be careful, right, with our approach to this to to these things, and um, realize that hey, kissing, dating, goodbye, you know, is fine. Probably is not going to work. Um, you know, asking your mom to find you a spouse may not work. Might, 
you know, Facebook apparently is doing that now. So if Facebook can, I'm sure your mom can. Um, yeah. And probably better actually Facebook apparently because they have all like the big data on you. Yeah, they, um, they know everything about you. So, you know, there's that. But no, I, I like, okay, I, like obviously I dated and, and do I, do I regret the temptations and things that were there before Emily? Of course I do. Like, why would I want to, why would, in fact, part of the, when Emily and I broke up, both of us, um, <laughs> this is, and this I think just goes like, some of us were like, and we said this to each other, like independently, like literally, like for all the crap that we've gone through, like, I don't have to do that all with someone else again. Like, I, like, yes. I've already gone through it with you. Like, why would I? And so that's like, obviously there is, it's more, much more than that, but we both sort of had that kind of like moment with each other. We're like, I also just didn't want to have to do this again. Like, like I've already been through all this with you. Like, why would I want that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so like, I just think we have, I think we're just not so, we, we're not totally wise with dating because, um, I also think we ask a lot of bad questions on dating. Like, you know, we're not really getting to the nitty gritty of life and, and belief and philosophy because we're just all about like, hey, do you like what, what I like? As if that's going to, right? Like, and so yes. I think there's just depth that we're maybe missing. I don't have a good solution because how, like, I think dating, a Christian dating idea is probably the best one where you are careful, you're wise, you you go on coffees, as we call them now, right? Without like <laughs> strings attached. This is just an exploratory thing. We can be friends. Um, I do think a very wise thing is to become infatuated with the person. Yeah. Um, more than um, more than the attraction, because. I, like I, and I, I, we hear these stories, and I think we think they're kind of just like fairy tale things, where like someone is best friends with this person, and then all of a sudden, like the scales fall off, and they realize how beautiful they are, and blah 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 blah. Like to me, that kind of is the goal, is it not? Like that, I I, I begin to truly love, in the fullness of love, this friend, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like even C.S. Lewis talked about how friendship is kind of like the, he called it the heavenly love, right? It's the most kind of like pure thing because even in erotic love, there is kind of this, this self-interest in there, right? For sure. For and, sure. And, that, and that if you just kind of go into marriage with this duty-bound erotic kind of stuff, you're, you're missing out on the depth of like a, a friendship that can be developed, a deeper than companionship, a true intimacy of the soul with someone. Because at the end yeah. of the day, the way I kind of think it's meant to progress based on even how human beings, you know, are now. And even from scripture a little bit, but I would say more just on observation is that the, the way it's supposed to go, I think is you essentially meet some person, you know, whatever. And there's this initial physical attraction there's going to be. I think this person is attractive to me. But hopefully, there's an intellectual attraction and, and a spiritual attraction that exists on the level of, of, of the initial. And then what happens is you begin to grow intimate of the soul, right? And when you get intimate of the soul with another, you know, opposite gendered person, um, the natural overflow of that is intimacy of the body. That nakedness of the soul and nakedness of the body are meant to go hand in hand. And a natural expression of that intimacy would be that nakedness of the body. So that's why I think when, when people get dating so deeply, the stats say that Christians and non-Christians have premarital sex the same rate. 
because we've, we're, we are just doing the natural overflow of the way God built our bodies and our souls to work. Um, right. And that the marriage covenant is meant to protect that. And so mm-hmm. that's where it's kind of like, you know, we, we go into the space of, I'm going to get real intimate. I'm going to open my soul. We're going to pray together and be spiritual. And, have, like, and you wonder why you struggle with sex. Because that's supposed to be an expression of that intimacy. Like that's kind of where the trajectory heads. And then what, what, what begins to happen is you begin to have this cycle of nakedness of body, nakedness of soul, nakedness of body, naked, as you go in your marriage and develop through life, where eventually, you know, it, it actually becomes more beautiful. And this is something that young people don't ever really understand, is that the thing that actually drives that marriage is the nakedness of the soul. Right? Like that's what you get to, right? Where it's like, I just like this person. I love this person. And, and, and sex becomes a beautiful kind of accessory to our love that's wonderful and awesome and you need it, right? Um, and, you know, for those who have like made, made a love language that, that's more physical, probably need it more than others. But I think that that's just part of the natural progression. So we, that's why we, we have to be careful with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Thanks for taking my admittedly kind of juvenile question and uh, and running with it and really explaining just taking it to its logical conclusion that was that was awesome